Good morning, new community. Again, welcome to the video service. I'm so excited to do this video again because all of you know how much I love being on video. I want to say just a few things before we get to the talk. I know that'll mean my time on video is a little bit longer, but I think these are important. First, I just want to echo the words of John in thanking Kevin for leading the charge and helping our community navigate these times. I also want to express a deep thanks to the staff and to the elders. It is an exceptional team, and I'm so grateful to work with this group of people for the good of our city and for our church family. Additionally, I want to thank you, new community, for the encouraging words over the past few weeks. Many of you have expressed a commitment to pray for the community as we seek direction amid uh, all the ongoing challenges. Uh, your words of encouragement have been a welcome gift in the midst of what could be experienced as discouraging times. We're so grateful for your flexibility, adaptability, and your care for this community. The reality of our situation, as you know, is complex and challenging. We, as a community, what we're experiencing is certainly not something that any of us would have desired, and that has to be acknowledged. There is a type of grief that can be experienced in these moments, and we do not want to minimize those feelings. I have also heard people say in the past that these types of experiences are moments to learn something. You know me, I'm always up for learning, and I think there's always more that we can learn about ourselves or about our community. But I want to suggest that this is not a moment so much for learning something new about ourselves or about our community. We've been, over the last 18 months, going through a lot of learning about perseverance and challenge and hope and discouragement and so much more. I would suggest this, that from this unfortunate event, I would suggest that we do not have something so much to learn as we have something to remember. So to suggest we have something to learn is to make this about ourselves. Instead, I would suggest we have something to remember. What we need to remember in this moment is the faithfulness of God. What we need to be reminded of is the continued provision of God. What would be helpful for us to recall is the sustained mercy of God. See, these are moments, these are opportunities to remember and to focus on things that are certain. And that certainty is God. See, Lamentations reminds us of this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will put my hope in God. We always have room to learn. But I think this moment is for remembering. So new community, may we remember God. May we walk in this moment with Christ. And may we receive the endurance of the Holy Spirit for this season ahead. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, this week, we were supposed to be in the start of the book of Revelation. And instead, we're taking what we would typically call a prophetic pause. 
See, anytime we schedule a prophetic pause into the teaching schedule, there's intent behind it. And that intent is to listen to the Holy Spirit and to seek or sense the message that the Spirit might have for her church. And as I reflected this week, I kept coming back to a singular passage. And in an odd way, I think this passage speaks into our desire to live out our vision as a faith community. Over the past month, we have been discussing the mission and asking ourselves some very important questions. Questions like, how do we live out our vision in this city? How do we embody the practices of together, engage, and become? How do we more clearly lean into our mission as a church to aspire to be a place of becoming or to extravagantly welcome all people? or to engage in the ongoing story of Jesus. And see, I think this passage has some answers for those questions in very practical ways. The passage is found in the book of Ephesians, and the teaching centers on a familiar passage on the armor of God. Now, full disclosure here, I did not want to teach on this passage at all. I even wondered if I should ask the Spirit to come up with a different idea. See, honestly, you know, I'm not a big fan of battle, of war, of fighting imagery. And even though that would have made sense to the original readers, and I can certainly understand what the author of Ephesians is trying to do, it still makes me feel incredibly uncomfortable. Historically, things have not gone well when Christians have put on armor in the name of Jesus. And this text has been horribly misread and used in defense of violence, even though I am abundantly sure that that is not its intent. So with that being said, this passage kept speaking to me in a way that made sense for our community. And so I'm going to be reading this morning from a non-literal translation. I'm using a, a combined versions of the ESV, the CEV, the living and the message versions. And I, I think this version captures the essence of the text. Now you can follow along in your Bible for reference. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Now what I think Paul gives us in this is a reminder, a realization, and then three encouragements. He gives us a reminder, a realization, and three encouragements. And the text starts off with this reminder. Last of all, I want to remind you that your strength must come from the Lord's mighty power within you. See, this is the reminder. Everything that Paul is to say in this whole passage is covered with this idea. It's as if Paul is saying, before I tell you anything else, you need to remember one thing. You need to remember that your strength must come from God. The strength to live into our vision, the fortitude to handle the setback, the belief and the hope that good things are in store for our community and for our city through the power of God. All of this comes with the reminder that this strength that we can live into in these realities is the strength that only comes from God. My hope is that New Community, we would never forget our source of strength. We would never forget the hope of our salvation. Everything begins and ends with Jesus. And that is why we're engaged in the ongoing story of Jesus. Paul then offers a bit of a realization. 
He says this, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand safe against all strategies and tricks of the accuser. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against forces and authorities and against rulers of darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the spiritual world. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. So put on all of the armor of God that God gives you, that you will be able to defend yourself and stand firm. Now, Paul here is using war imagery and language to convey a message. Uh, this word picture obviously would have been very familiar to his audience as they sat in the shadow of the military might of Rome, a superpower, very similar to the shadow in which we sit. And this use of a word picture is very similar to the way that we invoke sports metaphors or war motif, or we describe using you describe something using technology to bring about better understandings. These are all metaphors intended to convey a deeper message. But I think what Paul is getting at is this central idea that there are many things outside of our control. There are circumstances and difficulties relationships, broken societal structures, abuses of power. These are all lived experiences, and all of them have spiritual dimensions to them. So we want to imagine that our struggles are human, that it feels like there should be someone we should blame or someone that we want to blame. But see, our struggle isn't just human. Our struggle is against oppressive human systems that at their core have spiritual evil. Our struggle is against all kinds of things outside of our control. But our struggle is spiritual in dimension, supernatural in some ways. See, Ephesians is more concerned with the power structures through which evil operates, it seems, than with the individuals who are caught up in those systems. So we must realize, and this is, I think, what Paul's trying to get us to see, that we sit in the midst of oppressive systems and among people caught in the grips of those systems. And because of that realization, he then offers three encouragements. You could call them commands, teachings. And the three encouragements come from this section of the scripture. Be prepared. Truth, righteousness, peace faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You will need the belt of truth and the breastplate of God's approval. Let God's justice protect you as you desire to tell the good news about peace, and let your faith be like a shield. Let God's saving power guard you, and God's word is an indispensable gift that comes from the Spirit. Pray all the time. Never stop praying, especially for others. Always pray by the power of the Spirit, asking God for anything in line with the Spirit's wishes. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. Paul starts by encouraging us to put on the armor in our quest to live into our calling. That's our first encouragement, to put on the armor. Now, this is a provocative, subversive calling. Paul is using the imagery of armor in a very unique way. 
It's an extended analogy, really, of the Roman soldier's equipment. But in Paul's subversive way, he is taking each instrument of war and giving it a peacemaking parallel. What Paul is calling Christians to is not to use violence or power to accomplish mission, but instead to embody the way of Jesus. That into the reality of our world, we are to put on peacemaking army armor. Indeed, the only armor the text says that we should wear is truth and righteousness and peace and faith or faithfulness, salvation and the word of God. See, that is the nature of our strength. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace, shield that is faith, helmet that is salvation, and then the word of God. This is the only armor there is. And in truth, really is no kind of armor at all. So we have to shake off the illusions of power of the world and put on this heavenly kingdom reality full of righteousness and truth. See, the gospel is a world of opposites. We're engaging in real evil and conflict, but it actually means instead of fighting into that, we put our defenses down. Spiritual growth usually feels like laying down our defenses or shedding layers or allowing more of our unprotected selves to see the light of day. And that, if we're honest, seems very vulnerable to march into the struggle armed only with the spirit. That may seem precarious or costly to hold faith as our shield. It feels like you might lose everything with that type of posture. In fact, many would say it resembles foolishness. It's probably as stupid as an idea as God Almighty showing up as a baby. But see, that is the shape of our God. The same call to take up the whole armor of God is the same call of Jesus to take up your cross and follow him. And I am certain that these postures and practices will guard our hearts during this season. Because this is the only way to bring about genuine transformation. This is the only way to live into our mission. It is the upside down nature of the kingdom, not for us to fight, not for us to overcome, but for us to offer our very lives. We're told to put on the armor. We're also told to stand. Now to stand is to be unwavering. To stand is to be non-anxious in the midst of destructive systems that we encounter. To stand is to be a non-anxious presence in the midst of change, a non-anxious presence in the midst of each other. To stand is to face the challenge with courage and to enter into our mission with confidence. And we are called together to stand. Lastly, the text says, pray all the time. Never stop praying, especially for others. Always pray by the power of the Spirit, asking God for anything in line with the Spirit's wishes. See, the power of our mission must be fueled by prayer. Prayer is the energy behind us being a place of extravagant welcome. 
Prayer is the power of the Spirit enabling us to engage in the ongoing story of Jesus, and prayer is truly our only chance of becoming. Taylor says this, the power of prayer has never been tried to its full capacity in any church. If we want to see mighty wonders of divine grace and power wrought in the place of weakness, failure, and disappointment, let the whole church answer God's standing challenge. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knows not. New community, may we be reminded that our strength must come from the Lord's mighty power. May we realize that our struggle is against oppressive human systems. And so we must put on subversive and self-sacrificing armor. We must stand with a non-anxious presence in the midst of challenge. And we must pray with a dependence on the Spirit. May we listen to the Spirit this week. And may we follow in the ways of Jesus. New community, let me close with this benediction. In this next season, may God make his promises of fidelity, presence, and solidarity more explicitly felt. May we collectively trust these promises to walk, or trust these promises enough to walk faithfully, both corporately and individually. And may we pray all the more for the grace and mercy of the Spirit among us. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.